Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland. I'm Tony. And this is episode 12 of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. How much, um, how much do you guys use DF hack when you play? Because I'm finding like there are certain things in it that I think are really helpful. Like I like to set the, you know, I know I could do it with managers or whatever and create 10 of an item and then have them do it. But I've been using the alt W function where you can set workflow limits on certain items. So like I can tell the dwarves to have you know, 30 to 35 barrels of alcohol produced automatically. And then I don't have to go back and kind of keep figuring out that they've run out. I found that one to be pretty useful. Do you guys use any of those DF hack, not cheats, but like optimizations or anything? Well, to be honest, I don't use the optimizations. I straight up use the cheats sometimes. So, for example, there once was a really big goblin invasion, and I thought, oh, okay, this is like 100 goblins or more, plus trolls and whatever. I will not survive this. So, because I thought, like, okay, this this is literally the end for my fortress. I will just sit here for a while and see it die. I could also just have fun with it. So I went and spawned like a minotaur right into the army of goblins. And that was fun. And then, sadly, that guy just killed like three goblins and then died himself. I tried it with a rock. And that guy killed a few more, but was also sadly struck down. And uh, then... I took my military leader and elevated him on basically everything. I made him like Hulk. So extremely fast, extremely strong, extremely durable. And that threw him at the goblins, you know, and he killed a lot of them, but it wasn't enough. So my, my fort still crumbled to an end. But it was just fun to see how a dwarf without any weapons, but clad in... Uh, steel armor could actually rip goblins apart just because it was that strong. Yeah, uh, sometimes I also use the source command, which can suck water up. Uh, for, for example, I had a flooding a while back because I was trying to build a self-regulating well system, and then it started to flood my fort. And it came to my uh, magma forges, and because I spent so much pain and time making my magma forges that high up in the, the earth layer. I just use the source command to suck up all the water so it stops draining. And because if I hadn't, probably my fort had crumbled. Yeah, so you're sort of like using it to save something that, I mean, yes, I know that's fun, but still sometimes you're not ready to quite save it yet. Yeah, yeah. One thing I like in workflow is if you build the thing that cuts gems, the jeweler's workshop or whatever, trying to go through and then figure out what types of gems you have and then cut them is, I just, that's not quite the level of minutia I'm looking for, but it's really cool because if you do any sort of cut gems in that thing and then you use the DF hack workflow, you can tell it to cut gems of any kind. So it'll, it'll I guess, keep making different kinds of gems based on whatever's laying around as opposed to you having to get really prescriptive about what it's using. 
which I found pretty cool. I don't use the DF hack too much. I, I turn it on and I actually do use auto labor. I've started using that recently uh, after I got a little sick of micromanaging. I'm not sure exactly how much good it's doing. This is my first fortress that I've that I've actually started with it turned on. So so we'll see how that goes. It's not that I'm not using it because of any philosophical reasons. It's just that I haven't really gotten deep enough to find where where it would be really handy for me. But I've got no problem with using it. I just haven't done it much. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I like auto labor. Um, I think when the fort gets really really big that's when I find it very beneficial to start using some of the shortcuts because just trying to manage those massive, and I'm not very good with therapist. I think I'm playing on a 4k screen and therapist, I don't think is very good on a 4k screen. Cause it's like so small. I have to like get a magnifying glass to read it. So <laughs> inevitably I don't use that, but um, auto labor is awesome. Like, you know, if you're trying to do a massive fort, I can't see a better way to try to do it. Otherwise, maybe, maybe I don't have enough ded- dedication, and that's my problem. But it's it's saved me a lot. I have been using auto labor, but also have been using uh, dwarf therapist to nudge auto labor, and I have actually found that 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 does work. Auto labor will override dwarf yep. therapist. But apparently it doesn't hurt anything to use them both at the same time. And I've not had any system crashes because of it as of yet. And, you know, it could just be that I am not doing anything and it's just bias that is making me think that I'm doing some good with it. But, uh, for example, found that nobody was actually building my still. Uh, I put in a still to, to, because we ran out of alcohol, uh, I put in a still right beside my plump helmet little farm. And I waited and waited, and no one came in to actually build it. So then I looked on Dwarf Therapist and saw that there was nobody who had the brewing uh, skill turned on. So I kind of thought in my head, well, it seems like that's something that auto labor should be handling. But in any case, I went ahead and clicked the brewing skill, and then someone came up and built the still, and I had someone start brewing mushroom wine. So maybe I've got something wrong with my auto labor if just the act of ordering the building of a still should have indeed caused uh, someone to have that labor turned on. I was just thinking about it, like do broken DF hack, like if DF hack is broken or if, um, or something like that. Like one problem I had one time was I had manually upgraded DF hack. At least I thought I had, but then some of the scripts weren't updated properly. So things that I thought were working weren't. Somebody put a script out on GitHub that will, it's a Python script and it'll go out and grab all the different components of Door Fortress for you and build you a lazy noob launcher with mm-hmm. all the up-to-date pieces and it works across Linux, Mac, and Windows. So, I mean, for me on the Mac, it was great because I think the official Mac, Lazy Mac Pack, is still using 4409 and um, this one will go out and build you the latest of everything, which is pretty neat. Nice, nice. Yeah, speaking of which, the 4412 just turned one year old. Happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Oh, really? some cake for it. Oof. Yeah, let's see, July 7th. Um, yeah, so we've passed it. We didn't even, I feel like we didn't even commemorate the first anniversary of 4412. That oh is my God, yeah. true, yeah. I mean, how, how did we miss that? I don't know. I guess we were on vacation. Um, sorry, 4412. We'll send a belated birthday card. <laughs> another anniversary is that it is the 
eighth anniversary of episode 15 of Dwarf Fortress Talk being released, which is the podcast that inspired me to want to do this podcast. Uh, that's the one that has a Tony one cap and tastic and rain seeker. And also uh, early on ampersand was, uh, was a co-host and in the later episodes um, three toe was on there doing Q and a stuff too. So if uh, any of our listeners uh, just, just want more dwarf fortress content than we're providing and they have not already uh, subscribed and have listened to all those episodes of Dwarf Fortress Talk. I highly recommend you do it because that gets you right into the head of Tony One. It's pretty awesome. Have you guys listened to the that podcast? No, I listened to some of the earlier ones when I was first hunting around for a Dwarf Fortress podcast, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" And then I think it was just kind of old, and they were talking about something that was a planned feature that's now part of the game, and I was like, "Oh, maybe this is just too." it is very old and and a lot of the things that they say on there are i'm not going to say obsolete but 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 don't take it as the way the the game is but what it does do is give you a great insight into the way the dude thinks and that's cool and so there's actually there's some of his talks from like game developer conference and all of that which are super cool too you know you can kind of see where he's headed and what he's thinking and you know all of that neat neat stuff it would be great if if my uh if my podcatcher shows up with episode 23 sometime of poor fortress talk i'd love that um by the way you put something in the podcast inside about hireable moving pieces and what was that that was actually his notes in the seven four dev notes it says um <clears throat> ah, okay. Oh, yeah, I see. I see. Uh, I finished the other major plot uh, plots with hireable moving pieces. Sabotage, abduction, and artifact yeah. theft, which sounds to me Sweet. like you can have mayhem for hire. <laughs> I I have no because, idea how this works, but yeah. Well, it I don't was, either. It feels like adventure mode to me. I mean, I, that's what, that's my guess, or just stuff that's going to happen when you generate the world. I think that he does that a lot. I think that he uh, develops for adventure mode and then then migrates things that are appropriate into the fortress mode. Oh, yeah. So later in that uh, July 4th commentary, he said, I'm finding the work a tad too abstract now that we're out of world gen, so I'm going to bring adventure mode into the mix now. This will start with completing mounts uh, and so on. But hey, mounts. He has gotten mounts apparently working. I want my dudes to be cruising around on beak dogs. That sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, since we are going to Steam with a game, uh, he also posted some dev notes on Steam, which are basically the same, to be honest. But there is one big difference, because we have a note from Kid Fox Games at ah. the very end. And it's nothing big, but they just give us a tiny, tiny preview on what uh, the sprites for some animals will look like. Cool. Oh, yeah. Cool. And it's it's really nice. You know, the, the elephant is adorable. I would like to cuddle him. And um, the beak dog is, I, I think it's the beak dog. It's absolutely terrifying. It looks awful. <laughs> Uh, I, just, I like the uh, 
cuddly beak dog look personally. Yeah, I like I like uh of course uh I am biased. Don't say like it, man. Smashes. Don't say it. Oh, oh you like did. Smashes beak dog. Uh, I knew it. I Not knew even it. a minute in and here we are. <laughs> Channeling like parakeets. Uh, we'll allow it. <laughs> but you know what's the best thing about those uh Kid Fox sprites is um there is some red skin before the elephant and now i was like what 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 are you like some kind of dog turns out it's a zombie cat they do different sprites for uh zombified creatures and that's oh, that's ah yes i would think they would just like make them gray or something if this this is a gray donkey it means it's a zombie donkey uh, yeah i'm wondering if there's donkey is gray anyway yeah, I think they are, aren't they? I, I, I guess it depends some... on your tile set. <laughs> or your donkey. <laughs> I mean, in real life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, hey, man, I'm just thinking that it depends on my real life tile set of the week, right? I just Googled uh, donkey, and uh, yeah, it's great. Donkeys are great. <laughs> yeah, <had> to Google. <laughs> hey, man, I didn't want him to be referencing some sort of like... Uh, you know, southeastern United States, Florida indigenous donkey that we'd never heard of. I, you know, I want to know. I want the facts. <laughs> okay. Actually, the first picture is a, the Shrek donkey. Oh, so. no. And in the morning, we'll have waffles. Oh, no one got that reference? No, oh. sorry. Is, yeah. is it from Shrek? It's from Shrek, yeah. Okay. Well, I will. I, like I will it. be happy to cut that deadpan out of the out of the podcast. I'm not going to say it's rambling, but there was that last that 725. Yes. Uh, it's a bit of a read. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. What is he talking about with dice? I don't. What if I? What part of this game have I totally missed? Yeah, um, I added dice. Uh, okay, so. Tell me, tell me more, Mr. Toady, Mr. One. Do I call him Mr. One or do I call him? Well, I don't and be it's too not, informal here. It's not just that he added dice. He adds dice, and that apparently has an integral role in divination. Oh, uh, totally. Right? <laughs> of course. You've got to throw 20 sided dice if you're going to divine something. Do I kneel? Do I genuflect? Roll? Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't Yeah. It's interesting. I can't wait to see how it pans out. And then at the end, it talked about gambling. So I guess that's also a type of divination, the Church of the Casino or something. I don't know. Um, Church of Vegas. Cool, Church of Las Vegas. Yeah, that's what I always think of. The aquifer change um, is, I think, pretty cool. Um, What's that? Seven, seven, and the, about aquifer change on the 717 notes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, to me, sounds like a big deal um, because I think that's going to really – it's going to fundamentally change the way I think people play because right now I think a majority of people play aquifers by modding them out of the game. So you don't ever have to experience them, which I always felt like was kind of a loss in some ways. Cause I think there's goodness to have there, but the way he's changed them sounds pretty neat. He hasn't changed all of them though. Um, yeah. The old they're... ones are still the same pain aquifers. Yeah. About 5% uh-huh. of them will be the old style, it says, and they will be... Oh, well, wow. he indicates 5%? That, yeah. He indicates that they will be 
clearly marked on the embark and on the uh, on the sight finder, which leads me to believe that the new slow aquifers, slow flow aquifers, will not be marked on your <laughs> on your embark map or your or your sight finder. So oh, interesting! Surprises for you. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Well, fun surprises are fun. I mean, it would be crazy to get like halfway down and then all of a sudden hit an aquifer and go, oh, no, there goes the fort. <laughs> I guess I could see that. I guess I could see that happening. So, yeah, it just sounds like those last two entries, he's been uh, he's been having some some fun. I read through this and that 725 2019 uh, entry that he made. And I just wonder at what level this guy's working on sometimes. <laughs> The top level, basically full performance, I think is the way I would gauge it. So does he think in terms of prose and then his fingers just code crap? I I don't know. It's, again, I I think we've talked about this before. I've never convinced anyone to play this game. Like, I talk about it with friends and not one has ever said, okay, yeah, I think I'll give it a go. Um, I had luck. I talked one person into playing RimWorld and he played it for a while. And then, actually, we don't speak anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) But but yeah, this one, and I have lots of friends who I think would totally be into it. And um, yeah, it's just, it's it's a funny one. And, And I think it's quite artistic what he does. I guess that's probably why it's in MoMA. But yeah, it is. It's kind of like a art meets coding or something, I guess, in some ways. Pretty neat. It's, his dev notes are definitely um I, I don't read dev notes for other games because they're not interesting but his are always there's always kind of um an entertainment factor to his as well so you know it's like totally worth reading every time i'm like oh dev notes it's great I can't wait yeah and, and sometimes by reading them i i thought that is not a thing and then he stated that yeah now i changed it into this and i was like oh that was a, a thing. Oh, oh, okay. Especially when it comes to like evil stuff, like evil biomes and uh, stuff like that. I, I just thought they're incredibly fixed and nothing really changes. Uh, but it seems that even in the current episode, that's not really the case. Yes, I read that evil biomes from these dev notes, uh, that, that evil biomes... If they are being generated by a necromancer tower and they are radiating out from the tower from, uh, you know, one one location to the next, that those will recover in time. If, for example, the necromancers killed and the tower goes and the tower, you know, is no longer active, the, the biome will slowly return to its non-evil state. However, biomes that are, I can't remember what the word he used, but biomes that started off as evil will stay evil and won't improve over time. Weird. So, so, you're... so primordial biomes or whatever, I guess it's yeah. like the very land itself is innately evil or something, um, as opposed to there's a, you know, a gentle rolling evil or something. <laughs> a gentle evil. Yeah, I wonder what kind of time frames we're talking about. Um, you know, I wonder if it's a fast enough phenomenon such that if you built your fortress, if you embarked to a to a tile that is right next to a necromancer tower, if your if your biome would become more and more evil as time went on, or if it's such a slow process that it takes you know a hundred years for you to notice any difference. 
Hmm. I hope it's not on the death cycle. Time scale. Just kidding. I have created the fortress called Lurid Whips for our pass around. I am currently about three months into Lurid Whips. What I've been doing is putting my little diaries in the Bloodline channel on the Discord server. I would like to have it be visible, though, to our public. Our public. Yeah, you'd like to have it publicly available. Yep, yep, yep. So somewhere on our website would be good. I don't like at all the, the fortress that I'm working on, the diary for that. I don't like that page at all on our website. I got to figure out something better than that. The days and years of Dwarf Fortress don't equal days and years of, of ours. So I can't do it as just a regular blog where I put the Dwarf Fortress date as the date that it's being published. That yeah. would be ideal. Yeah. Maybe I should write a WordPress plugin that does Dwarf Fortress years for a blog. Hey, that's an idea. You know, I, I was I was basing it off of um, like when I did our first thousand year old fort that seemed a little too heavy. Um, I was basing that off of um, just kind of when something interesting happened, or at least something interesting that I thought happened, like you know, two caravans a row in a row, or a werebeast attack, or we found flexstone and started making steel, or you know, those kind of things. I was sort of picking it off of those big events. That was. Yeah, that was kind of how I was doing it. Not that that's good or bad, but that's just, I was just trying to figure something out too, because I had this. I did strike bitumous coal, bathumous coal, bitumous, bitumous coal. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to know how I say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering the hell out of it. It's not one of those words that I have ever said out loud before this moment. <laughs> how do you say it? Well, I say it really, really German. Not cool. Go for it. I want to hear this. <laughs> Bitumus. Bitumus. I like that. It's probably, it's probably something in the middle of that. It is the official DF roundtable pronunciation of it. Bitumus coal. But, uh, but so apparently you can uh, turn that into coke and use that as, as nice fuel. Yeah, instead of yeah. trees, which I like because it just keeps things easy so they don't have to go outside because my people never seem to like to go outside it seems to always really upset them because for whatever reason maybe i should start embarking in the desert so they don't get so fussy about the rain but everyone seems to really hate the rain but to be fair rain is uh okay so while dwarves dis dislike rain a lot i as a player like rain a lot because it gives so much like atmosphere and especially you know uh, you told me that you played a lot with uh, sound sense. Yes, I do. I have started doing that, and it's at so much atmosphere. Even though it's kind of weird because I used to play it just completely silent, and but now sometimes it uh, makes weird noises, and I'm like, still, what's going on? But the atmosphere is so great, and that's why I still do rain biomes because then I have rain. And thunderstorms and stuff <laughs> oh that's cool i didn't know i did that neat yeah i don't care for uh for the music with sound sense if i'm going to hear music i want to hear toddy one's guitar work because that to me is the the music of dwarf fortress so when someone goes into a strange mood on sound sense you will hear a crazy sounding dwarf talk about you know needing to go into himself and and come up with something creative and deadly or something like that 
That's great. <laughs> I had a guy go crazy and kill people because he couldn't drink from a mug. And I was like, man, you need to calm down. Like, so a please. lot. <laughs> like, it just re you really need to just steer it like a 20 and we need you at like a five. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that part of the stress is insane. It's like, dude, it's, it's, you just hey. you drank your beer from a keg. Like, that's, you just, you got the whole keg to yourself, buddy. You know, be, be happy. But I guess they don't see it like that. Um, let's see. I yeah, I played mine. I've got this fort going where I'm trying to I'm trying to turn it into the biggest like the biggest fort I can. And I didn't play it as much as I as I could because I was traveling and I only had my laptop, um, which is not as powerful as my desktop. So I'm at one fifty seven. Um, so it's, it's coming and, uh, I'm still at about 200 frames per second. So I'm still doing okay. Mm. Um, a lot less on my laptop though. My poor little laptop was down to about 35 or 40. So <laughs> this is very quickly becoming a desktop only fort, but, um, <laughs> let's see what I can manage here. Got to keep the animals in check and you know, all that. And it's, uh, it's actually the randomly generated name was, um, rocks keeper. I thought was very dwarfish and awesome. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So far, it's um, the world seems pretty neat. Doesn't have too much goblin chaos going on. I think I've managed to eradicate one goblin civilization already, just to get some action going. <laughs> kind of contemplating killing some elves right now, just to you know keep things moving and give myself some challenge because my squads are pretty powerful. And, um, yeah, so that's that's what I'm doing. It's all just, and I guess trying to kill off my army that is probably a good way to develop high population for it. So I should probably chill. But um, but yeah, it's coming along. Do dwarves play games in taverns right now? Games of chance, gambling? Not I don't yet. Think so I I really want that to happen now because something you said a moment ago. Uh, I thought that you were going to say that you were modeling Vegas with your fort. So. <laughs> I thought that would be an awesome, have a casino for it. Yeah. Well, in fact, this will be a thing of the future where a dwarf play games in the tavern and you as a player can actually gain control of a dwarf that currently plays and you can play the game yourself. Yeah, that doesn't sound like much fun to me. Um, it would be great no. for adventure mode, but I'm not sure that... Uh, that that I would want to do that. I'm, you know, if anyone else wants to do it, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not dissing it, but, uh, I didn't know to me that much. Give me poker in dwarf fortress. And I'm in, I would be in adventure mode. If I was an adventurer and I was, I was, you know, playing poker in a tavern, you know, I like the abstraction that you are the God figure of your fortress. And you are the spirit that is that is influencing your dwarves, but not controlling their actions. So, well, I mean, God has to play poker sometime, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I remembered what uh, I had going on. I tried to do more in my old old world, which is now around. 800 uh, something around late 800 year and um uh, i needed some some space from that because things are really getting slow and heavy there um there are 
just so little elves left, so little humans left. And uh, all I have to do is now uh, clean up a bit of goblins. But the goblins are only in freezing biomes. Like, really freezing biomes. Pure winter. And that is... Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. I, I tried to embark somewhere, and half of the map was just pure ice. Because I didn't see that there was some kind of glacier going on. So I couldn't really build a fortress. I tried to do it out of ice and smooth uh, the ice and... Uh, it's complicated, yeah. That frozen biome stuff's really hard. Um, and I didn't realize it moved, so imagine my surprise when I did an embark and it was really cool, and then I got frozen in and no one ever came to see me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is really horrible. And I sent um, like a few dwarves out just to annoy the, the goblins next door. Uh, like make a small ding dong ditch and run back to me. So the goblins come knocking on my door and go like, "What is going on?" Here? And uh, then I can like slaughter them in my beautiful traps, <laughs> apparently made of ice. But uh, the the squad never came back, and uh, I think they must have died on the way or something because the goblins never got really the invitation to wage war on me. So I don't know what happened. As I said, freezing biomes, bad, bad stuff. Rather give me like a haunted biome where everything resurrects and things are going downhill very fast. I'd rather play that than play any more freezing biomes, please. <laughs> I never make the. I never make it very far in the in the um, haunted biomes because it seems like every embark before I can do anything my hunter goes out and kills something and, and then you have to disable hunting on all dwarfs and uh, <laughs> yeah, really watch out for that i didn't um, realize that because i had a i don't know like a ghost of a hippo come in and wipe us wipe us wipe the floor with us no way to stop that i guess so whoops Deal. anybody got anything else that they want to talk about for now not me are those chickens in your background oh yeah you know what let me go on mute <laughs> oh that's okay sorry about that yeah one of them's i guess seen something and it's going crazy right now i don't know what's problem is free um, chickens if anybody wants them I, I i mean i would absolutely take chickens but yeah i'm living on the other side of the world so that's a bit yeah. Yeah, I can't really pack them on a plane and ship them over. Um, I don't think the world works like that. I well, think you, they would be sad. I mean, you Tony, could. You, you ship the chicken to me, Tony, and I will pack a couple cats in with it, and then I'll send that to, to Rome. Yes. yes. These, these chickens have fought a bobcat and, and done okay. I mean, they came and got help, but <laughs> one of them managed to, you know, get pretty far into the bobcat before almost getting eaten. They're, they're pretty tough, but yeah, they're they're about to find a new home because we're moving and I can't take them back to the city. I think Aww. they're not city chickens. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right, guys. Yeah. We done so that. everybody have a great, uh, great uh, 
period of time. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy the next sequence of events in your life. <laughs> yes. And all of our listeners out there too, enjoy the next sequence of events in your lives. <laughs> Goodbye. Adam. All right, guys. Until Catch you later. Time. See you later. Later, guys. This has been Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Please stop by and leave a comment or suggestion in the comments section of this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. Music is Sky Q. Ellen, composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find Kevin McLeod's music at incompetech.com. You can find a link in the show notes.